There's always a new idea and times change and people need something. They're gonna need something tomorrow that doesn't exist today. And that the idea that everything's already been invented is wrong. Tomorrow we're gonna to need new inventions. There's gonna be new social networks. There's gonna be new property management softwares. There's gonna be new tools for managing rentals and buying real estate. And just having an open mind and realizing that something new can turn into something big, I think is, is it. This is the Passive Wealth Strategy Show, the show that will teach you how to build wealth with real estate without buying yourself another job. I'm your host, Taylor Lowe. Today, our guest is Nathan Miller. Nathan is the founder and owner of Rentech Direct, one of the nation's highest rated property management software companies. He started the company way back in 2007, still around today, still doing big things in the real estate space. Today, we're digging into the experience of being a tech company founder, what it takes to turn a great idea into a great product, what it takes to innovate and refresh that product with time as the market changes and shifts. And then we also talk about tech and its impact on the real estate investing space today. We dig a bit into AI and what it's doing for property management software, a key potential pitfall of AI being applied to property management that could go very wrong if you're not careful in a legal sense. And we dig into that today as well. Nathan has a very impressive track record as a software company founder. And today we're digging into some very important lessons, what it takes to build a successful company in the tech and real estate space to keep it fresh and to be successful here 16 years later with much bigger things into the future. Once again, I'm your host, Taylor Lote. I'm a real estate investor and I focus on multifamily and self-storage investing. To date, I've acquired, partnered on, or otherwise had a hand in over $250 million of commercial real estate acquisitions. If you'd like to learn more about potentially investing with us in the future, just go to investwithtaylor.com. Don't forget to subscribe and catch us here every weekday. Right now, once again, our guest is Nathan Miller. Let's go. Nathan, thanks for joining us today. I'm excited to go through your journey of building a very successful business out of a great idea. For our listeners out there who don't know about you and your software company, can you tell us about what you do today? And then we'll rewind the clock and learn about building up a tech company in the real estate space. Absolutely. First off, thanks for uh, having me, Taylor. I'm excited to join you here. Uh, like you mentioned, uh, I started a, a company. It's called Rentech Direct. Uh, started back in 2007, just out of a necessity. Uh, I was a small-time landlord at the time. Had a few properties. Wanted to be more efficient, and I had taught myself how to develop, how to program years earlier, and decided to create something because nothing existed at the time. So I went ahead and uh, created the first very, very functional, but not very attractive version of Rentech Direct back then in 2007. So um, jumping forward to today, uh, still Rentech Direct, that's my full-time gig here all day, managing employees, creating features, working on building the company. Awesome. So I think a lot of folks, you know, we have a lot of great ideas every day. Entrepreneurial people or people who are excited to do what they do, whether it's in real estate or software or elsewhere. Have a lot of great ideas, but don't take action. What separated, you know, this idea from just an idea into a company that turned out to be successful? Yeah, I think it's a combination of my desire to make it happen, being in the right place at the right time. 
but then also just finding something that needed to happen. It needed to be. I kind of joke about being an inventor, even though it's I write software. Uh, you, you know, every line of code you write is a little tiny invention. And I just had the right invention at the right time. And in this case, it turned out to be software and making it available worldwide to other people that, like me. They also needed it. Turns out, you know, just ended up having hundreds of people, you know, knocking on my door digitally, uh, asking to use the software. And that's what I made it for was to help those landlords that were just like me at the time. And it kind of just blossomed into a company uh, from there. Wow. So I think a big thing is knowing where to get started and whether it's starting with your product or service or starting trying to find people who are interested and build something for them. How did you approach that problem of, you know, taking those initial steps to you know, get some building blocks in place and keep you know making progress forward? I think it was the uh, most everything I did was based on feedback I was receiving from either mentors or people that were using the software or what I needed. And I had experience running companies. I, prior to that, you know, I worked my way up from a brand new hire up to president of the previous company. So I learned a lot through that business and I was able to take those skills and apply those to this company, noticing that it was growing and I, you know, eventually needed employees, eventually needed more tech to uh, support it and to support all the people that were coming into it. So I guess I relied on my experience to build it up and keep things moving. So you've kept it going now for what, 16 years, if I'm doing the math right, and that's through the Great Recession, which impacted real estate pretty considerably, and a lot of ups and downs in the software and tech space as well. What has separated your success in the space from others, you know, tech companies in real estate or others just in real estate that haven't made it this long? I think uh, something super unique about us, especially being a software company, is we are entirely homegrown. We're self-funded. We're debt-free. We have no investors or VC companies that are telling us what to do. That's super unique in this space. I don't know if there's any software companies in, uh, in our market that can say the same thing. And I think what that's done for us is it's let us remain laser. We're able to be laser focused on uh, what matters to us. And that it's, you know, our employees and our customers. And we're able to, every single decision we make, we're able to make good decisions for our customers. And so they're having the best experience possible with us. And we've seen that we've actually gotten these so many crazy good awards for how amazing our customer service is and so many great testimonials and reviews from our customers. They love us. And that's where we've really stood out is doing the best job possible at customer service and blowing our competition away there. Everything else is kind of ancillary to that. You know, we also have really cool product. Uh, we keep it updated and always providing really great new modern features and new modern design. That doesn't hurt either. <laughs> So identifying the right things to build, you're staying plugged in with your customer base, but still, you know, any business can make mistakes in terms of new products or services for their existing customer base. Do any stand out like products that you built or features or what have you that you built and were not adopted that, you know, you were kind of surprised by things that people didn't really go for? Uh, yeah. We usually research pretty well, but in cases in the past where we didn't do our research to determine, you know, how many people really want this and we just like, this sounds cool. Let's build it anyways. And people are going to love it. It's not always the case. You know, there's uh, cases where we've integrated into platforms that we thought were going to be huge and it was going to bring us tons of business. It was going to help our customers and their tenants out greatly. 
And then we got like five or six people to ended up using it, which after six months of development to only get five people using it, I would say that's a mistake. So how do you decide how much effort to put into those new activities to look to grow the business, add a new feature so that you're putting the appropriate amount of effort into them, but also not over-investing in new features? I think it's important to just be in touch with our customers. We need to know what they want, and we do that by talking to them. And we've started reaching out, being way more proactive with our customers. And every time they call us, we extend that conversation and we'll ask them questions. And just through those questions, we'll learn, you know, what are their pain points? What's, you know, because the pain point today isn't the same as it's going to be a year from now. And we want to be just ahead of those pain points, you know, developing the feature they need right as that pain point is coming out for them and timing the market just perfect. So we're providing the product they need at the time they need. So can we put a finer point on that as far as not to overuse the term, but as far as their pain points go today, I mean, is it interest rate related because they're a lot higher today than they were last year? As everybody knows, they might continue climbing or is it like something different? What types of pain points are you running into today toward the end of 2023? I would say we we deal with a lot more property managers and landlords than people currently investing in real estate. So interest rates haven't affected a lot of our customers too much. However, vacancy rates are the big deal. And if you take our area, for example, a year ago, you could have a rental, you could have 10 rentals, not that that would ever happen a year ago, but you could have that rental, just throw out one little nugget, you know, be it on, you know, Facebook or printed flyer or, or pin it up down at the store. And it would be rented before you know it, it'd be gone. The first person to see it would take it and it would be be rented because vacancy rates were so low. That goes up and down. And right now we still have historic low vacancy rates, but they're a lot higher than they were a year ago. So all the property managers who got off really easy, you know, doing minimal advertising and getting, as soon as you put it out there, it's rented. Now they have to try a little bit harder. So what we're doing is we're helping fill those pain points. And an example is we make it easy for our customers to spray that listing out to all the listing sites with just a click instead of, you know, using all their existing data rather than having to go fill out forms on Zillow and apartments.com and all these different sites. We just take care of that for them. Okay. Are you seeing regional differences or drivers between like the vacancy rates or is that kind of across the board, no matter where you are? It does differ based on region. And I, I can't give you any specifics right now, but our particular region in Southern Oregon, where we're located, tends to be, you know, four or five months behind, like Northern California, for example, or more Central California. So it fluctuates. The whole nation kind of goes up and down, but some areas lag behind others. So being someone who was engaged in the real estate space just prior to the Great Recession and its impact on real estate, folks always want to know, are you seeing any of those echoes today or at least some of those warning signs that could have been seen back in 2007? Not to that extent. You know, I will say just the simplest little antidote is you're looking at properties that are for sale. I'm seeing them be for sale for longer. I'm seeing rentals be available for longer. And, you know, that all boils down to after a little bit of time trickles by that those prices are going to come down to meet what the buyers need. So I think there's a I picture a small correction, you know, currently happening. That makes sense. That makes sense. Okay. So 
AI has been a big thing, right? Being a software guy in the real estate space, I'm sure you're well aware of that. Do you think the hype is well-founded in the real estate space? Will these you know, AI features, the chat GPTs out there, have a big impact on real estate investing or property management, or is it just too early to tell? I think they have a big time-saving benefit. So they're not going to take over everyone's job. You still have to have someone to show the properties, and there still has to be humans involved, so the robots aren't going to take over anytime soon. But huge time-saving uh, benefits. A couple examples uh, I've just ran across recently. Well, actually, one of the features we just released was an AI listing generator. So we were just talking about those listings that get put out to all these different sites. It takes someone probably 15 minutes to write a good listing. That's pretty common. You get all the information, you know, refrigerator, you know, dryer, it's next to a park, all this stuff. It takes about 15 minutes to write up a good listing. But AI can do that in about 15 seconds. You just plug in the features. Uh, in fact, our system already knows all the features because they know what's in it and they know the address and we can just send that off to OpenAI. It'll respond back, you know, with 200 words of an amazingly written description that looks better than almost anything they would have written before. So there's like a good example of a time saver. And AI in general is just kind of fun right now. It's buzzy and it's fun. And I was just 15 minutes ago before our call. I was talking to someone about a backend update that we did, and it's a real simple backend update. We didn't even think it was going to help people out because it was just like, it was almost fixing something. But uh, when I was talking to someone else on the staff, they're like, wow, people are going to love this. This is going to be so helpful and people are going to be so happy that we did this. We have to let them know. And so I wrote to my marketing staff, I was like, well, here's what it does. It's literally one sentence. Like, here's what we changed. It's one sentence. If you can turn this into 500 words and, you know, make a blog out of it, we need to tell everyone about it. And then she replied back, you know, she put it into ChatGPT, replied back with a 500, turn this thing into 500 words. And it sounded pretty good. It, it needs very few edits to actually work. So I was pretty impressed. And it was very relevant 15 minutes ago. Wow. Okay. So I wonder about the listing writing aspect of it and what level of feedback it's receiving on which listing comments or writing style is effective in generating results as opposed to, you know, maybe it gets a bullet pointed list or a checklist of the features that are in there and it cranks out an answer. But really what we care about is having a listing that generates the highest rent or gets the most interest from tenants, right? And that's data that needs to be fed back into the system. Is a feature like that even possible? Is that maybe headed on the way? What What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think that's a great point because everything about marketing and especially websites and listings is A-B testing and, you know, does this one work better than this one? And we just started doing this, so we haven't had a lot of experience with it. But in the short time we have been working with it, we have had to fine tune it to eliminate certain things that are bad from a legal perspective. You don't want ChatGPT spitting out something about, you know, a family or, or any other protected class. So you have to tune that stuff out. And ChatGPT listens, you know, mostly to what you want it to do, but uh, you still have to keep an eye on it because uh, it'll go a little bit rogue sometimes. So I think it can be tuned. And as the models progress, I think you can feed more information about what you want into it based on what's performed in your area. And we'll be able to help our customers with that because we'll 
be able to learn that over, you know, 300,000 units, we're going to start getting that data and be able to aggregate it to find out, you know, what words do convert better and maybe what words do convert better in what area, because it's going to be different on the left coast versus the, you know, right coast. So I'm glad that you brought up the topic of legality and obviously touched on fair housing a bit, because I think that's something that is really not discussed at all in the real estate investing space. Nobody talks about it, and it's you know not necessarily relevant to analyzing a multifamily property, for example, but we need to make sure our property managers, ma- managers are following the applicable laws. Do you run into situations where you know, tech has either made a trip up like that or, you know, helped someone avoid a fair housing potential violation? Well, we haven't ran into anything with the listings yet, but I can say, you know, online applications are one thing where some states you're allowed to ask certain questions, other states you're not. So I would say tech has the capability to help keep people out of trouble because we know like Ohio, for example, is pretty strict. And we know in Ohio, there's certain questions that can't be on there and it has to be phrased a certain way. So we do that for our customer, but it's still impossible to keep up with every law in every state and every county and every city because they all have their own unique things. And so it helps, but I don't think it's a replacement for good legal advice and good review when you're dealing with anything that can have a fair housing review on it. Mm, Okay. Yeah. How about on the eviction side of things? I don't know if your company gets involved with evictions, but it was a big question for a couple of years throughout COVID with the eviction moratorium. And also a big question that investors have generally is, can we streamline or add technology to the process of processing evictions or submitting them to the court or what have you? Have you dipped your toe into the eviction side of property management? Yeah, we are not super involved in that other than we work with a lot of property managers, a lot of landlords, and unfortunately they have to endure evictions sometimes. So automating evictions, I don't foresee in my lifetime. The courts are 20 years behind us, maybe longer. And (laughs) it's, you know, you you can't get data from them electronically often and often they're not going to take it electronically. Plus every eviction is different and they're not all about payment and The rules in every area are different. So fully automating that or even partially automating, that's going to be tough, I think, uh, moving forward. And it's always going to require that human legal touch. Where technology can help, again, is helping avoid extending those evictions. And uh, that's by doing everything right. You know, you follow the rules. And if you unfortunately have to go through an eviction, you want it to be as short as possible and you don't want to go into court. And them say, no, you received, you took a dollar from this tenant, you know, on their thousand dollar rent. And now you accepted their money. You got to restart this whole thing again. So technology, you know, like our product can help with that by disallowing a tenant for making a partial payment. That's just a setting. You, you tag him as under eviction. It's not going to allow payments from them unless it's a payment for the entire balance, for example. So I think there's ways uh, technology can definitely help, but it's never going to replace that you know, going to court attorney, you know, type of person you're going to need. Can't expect the the courts to keep up with it. Okay. That makes sense. So before we move to the three questions I ask every guest on the show, as a software company owner, I think a lot of folks look to make their exit more quickly than you have. So 
for yourself, what does an exit from this business look like? You've been in it for a while. I have to imagine you could sell a company if you wanted. Maybe you don't want to, but what's the plan? I love what I do. I love coming into work and I love the people I work with. So even though I get three to five requests to purchase our business a day, it's ridiculous. It's nothing I'm interested in at all because if I were to accept that, you know, huge sum of money that the company might be worth, what am I going to do with that that I can't do with what I'm making today? I feel like we're in a really good spot. We're profitable. All of our employees are very happy and they're doing really good. I'm happy and I'm doing really good and I enjoy what I'm doing. So why would I change that? I don't need, you know, a hundred million dollars, you know, to figure out how to spend. That doesn't sound as enjoyable to me as continuing to come in and work with my favorite people in the world, which are our employees and family. So my exit plan right now is probably so far off in the future that I can't picture it. And it's going to look completely different than if I devise something today. So our plan is we're going to keep plugging along. We're going to keep providing an awesome product. And that's a question for a whole nother day. <laughs> All right. Makes sense. <laughs> makes sense. Great. Well, right now we're going to take a quick break for our sponsor. All right, Nathan, I've got three questions. I ask every guest on the show. Are you ready? I'm ready. Great. First one. What is the best deal you've ever done or the best investment you ever made other than in your education? All right. I think that would probably be my very first property purchase. Uh, I was 19 or 20 years old. Business partner suggested, or my boss at the time suggested, you know, you shouldn't be renting. You need to be buying. So I bought a condominium. It was like $40,000, dirt cheap, lived in it for quite a while, eventually moved out and turned it into a rental. That got me started in understanding the power of real estate, the power of being a landlord, receiving rent yourself, starting to get that passive income, which got me interested in becoming a landlord, which got me to where I am today. Awesome. Nice. So we had the best. And now we go to the other side of that, the worst. What is the worst deal you've ever done or the worst investment you ever made? I think I touched on it earlier, actually. We spent, it might've been more than six months out. We committed almost a full year of development time to work with this cool, flashy new product that was going to help all of our customers. And it sounded really good to me and it really sounded really good to some other people. And we just went head first into spending all this development time, spending a year, getting it done. And when we released it and realized that we hadn't done the market research to see if anyone wanted this yet, we felt pretty dumb. And we learned a huge lesson in that you always find out if someone needs the product before you commit, into, commit to it. It's a wise thing to do. Wise lesson. My favorite question here at the end of the show is what is the most important lesson you've learned in business and investing? I think what created my company was an idea. The day I had that idea, it was new to me because the day before I didn't know that this type of company could exist. So I had an idea and I tried it. And it wasn't my first idea. I, I tried other ideas. I thought development was really cool and writing programs was really cool. So I tried four or five times, you know, before Rentec Direct came about. And all those were fun. They were nifty little tools and stuff, but they never went anywhere. It was the fifth or sixth time that neat idea that I needed actually took off. And so I think the biggest thing is there's always a new idea and times change and people need something. They're going to need something tomorrow that doesn't exist today. And the, the idea that everything's already been invented is wrong. Tomorrow we're going to need new inventions. There's going to be new social networks. There's going to be new property management softwares. There's going to be new tools for managing rentals and buying real estate. 
and just having an open mind and realizing that something new can turn into something big, I think is, is it. I love it. Well, thanks so much for joining us today. Where can folks learn more about you or your company? Yeah, the best place, go to our website. It's uh, rentechdirect.com. It's R-E-N-T-E-C, direct.com. We have everything up there. Click on About Us. You'll see uh, my mugshot, all of our other employees, and learn a little bit about us and the company. Good spot. Awesome. Well, thank you once again for joining us today. To everybody out there, thank you for tuning in. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Don't forget to subscribe and catch us here every weekday. Right now, I hope you have a great rest of your day, and we'll talk to you on the next one. Bye-bye.